Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of the Sun Solar Panel. How is it going, everybody, in our chat? I know everyone is in great mood from last night's game. We're all feeling really, really confident. Nobody's worried. Nobody's thinking, oh, wait, I already saw a comment from Iverson blog saying he thinks we're going to go back to Phoenix 2-2. So, yeah, people are already panicking. Joining me today on the panel is my partner in crime, my usual co- cohort, Brandon. How you doing, man? Not bad. Um, you know, this is kind of expected. I think Dallas is a wounded animal fighting for its life. You can't go down 3-0, so uh, no need to panic just yet, Suns fans. But, uh, you know, obviously we'd much rather be talking about a Suns win today, but it is what it is. That's right. And also joining us today is PLR, Paul Richardson of The Cave Show. How's it going, Paul? Terrible, man. The sky's falling. The Titanic sank. <laughs> The King King Kong fell off the Empire State Bill. Everything is going wrong. They lost one game. I, 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 I just can't take it today. I can't take it. I can't even I, I did, couldn't even sleep last night. I, I was stressed about everything I have zero control over. You know, the usual fandom thing. Exactly. <laughs> Cats and dogs sleeping together. It's all bad. <laughs> it's all bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. We also have another guest coming on, Tim Cato of The Athletic. He'll be joining us very soon. Um, but we are going to, because we need to get a view from the other side of the floor, the other end of the bench, uh, because I always like to balance out our coverage. But for now, in the moment, we are going to just recap where we are. Last time we were here was a week ago. And a week ago, the Suns and Mavs were about to start off. We had Kirk Henderson of Mavs Money, Moneyball on, and, and we were talking about pros and cons and matchups and everything for the for the uh, for the series. And at the end of the show, uh, I had everybody make predictions. Uh, Kirk did not stay for the end of the show, but the end of the show, me and uh, and uh, God dang, who was on last week? I'm totally uh, drawing a blank. Flex, that's right. Uh, yes, those the three of us made our predictions, and uh, we all predicted, I think, two and one record after three games. Is that right, Zona? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So, and guess what the series is? Two to one Suns. PLR, what would you have predicted a week ago uh, coming into game uh, game four on how the series would have gone? Not, not only did I predict two and one um, on my show, I said it would end in five. Um, I've been, I, I just think there's a couple things that go against. Uh, you can't beat a team 14 times in a row. I mean, they, they get a check too. They're, they're pros. Mm-hmm. So they're going home. The, fan is, the fans are going to be loud. They're going to punch first. And I think I was more surprised at the effort that the Suns punched back more than what Dallas did. So, uh, but you could kind of see this coming. In fact, I thought it would be the special referee game in game three, but that didn't happen. That may still happen in game four. Yeah. It may <laughs> and it actually a kind of happened. It wasn't Scott Foster, but it kind of happened in game two. The calls that were going against both teams in game two was just crazy. Um, I thought the refs were just trying to 
trying to feed it. But um, Devin Booker is funny. I don't know if Devin Booker is going to get fined. Um, but the, some of those out-of-bounds calls that were clearly off the Mavericks, the refs just immediately, as quickly as possible, gave the ball to the Mavericks out-of-bounds and, and let them throw it in, especially on that uh, ball off Maxi Kleba that went out-of-bounds. And, and the Suns were still standing there complaining about the the call, and the refs gave it to Dallas to inbound, and they got an open three-pointer. I mean, it was a huge turnaround, even even in that first half. Um, it, it was funny because after the game, Luca, uh, excuse me, uh, Luca, uh, sorry, geez, Devin Booker said, you know what? Some people want more games in a series, and now we're going to have more games in a series. I don't know. I feel like that's going to get it. That's going to get the ref's attention. Uh, did you hear anything? Did you hear that, Brandon? Yeah, I saw that, and then also the you know the video of Luca do uh, flashing the the money also went a little bit viral. So could be a couple of fines coming in for both guys. And joining us now is Tim Cato of the Athletic. How's it going, Tim? I am doing good. How are y'all? We are doing great. Doing well. Tim doing covers well. the Mavericks, has been covering the Mavericks for, I don't know, it feels like 20 years now, although he only looks 20 years old. Uh, and he has been, he used to be with Mavs Moneyball, and now he's with The Athletic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tim. You get to give us the other side, the other end of the bench, the other end of the court view of how this series is going. And I was just about to comment on a game in which Suns fans feel like the refs were making a few calls in favor of the Mavs. When Luca would get uh, calls called against him, he was making it was that was that the money sign? Like the refs were being paid off? What was that sign Luca was making? That sure looked like it. Um, he played pretty uh, pretty coy in in the post game. He said he didn't want to get fined. Which I'm like, my guy Luca, you already did the sign. If you're gonna get fined. <laughs> It's the sign that's probably going to do it, not the explanation of it. Uh, uh -huh. But yeah, no, he uh, he he wouldn't he wouldn't be clear. But uh, come on now, it's it's Luca. He's you know he picked up 15 technical fouls in the regular season. Uh, <laughs> actually, two years in a row he's picked up 15. Uh, this year he actually picked up a 16th, and then it got rescinded, and that's the game he got hurt right. in the finale. Uh, so so he has this knack of. Uh, not being the biggest fans of officials up until he knows he can't, uh, at least in a you know context where he's going to hurt his team and miss games. So he's good at you know walking that line just barely. Uh, so yeah, he might get a fine, but he didn't cost his team a technical for free throw. So I guess all things considered, he's rich enough to you know get away with a little a little mockery, if you will. Yeah, he um, folks who are not fans of Luca um, see a little bit too much of the mockery. But then again, folks who are not fans of Chris Paul and Devin Booker kind of kind of feel like they go overboard too. So every team has their players that go a little overboard, and um, and uh, that's just the way it is, I think. Um, so Tim, tell us what you thought of Game Three. Do you think Game Three uh, the Mavericks found themselves? Um, how do you think that game unfolded? Yeah, I wrote about this on The Athletic, but but I thought the single most important stat was the pace and the possessions that Phoenix had. And it was a I, – I, I didn't pull it up, but, uh, you know, just writing it last night, it was a 90 pace. Phoenix had about 88 possessions. And as a result, uh, Dallas got 14 more shots off. You know, you guys know very well 
everyone listening, that Phoenix is is just about the most dangerous shot-making team in the league. So if you can get 14 more up, if you can limit them to just 86 in a game or uh, well, it might have been 76, um, that, that matters. You know, the way that the Mavericks beat Utah last series without Luka um, was by beating, the, like taking more threes, scoring more in the paint. And then on top of that, also, you know, just turning it over less, getting more possessions, limiting fast break points, just really mucking it up, slowing down the game. And I thought that they did a really successful job of that, uh, the Mavericks, in this game. I don't know how sustainable it is to force, if you will, um, Phoenix into 17, tur- 17 turnovers because a lot of the, you know, we're, we're not going to see a seven turnover half from Chris Paul again. Um, and, and kind of in the same way, you know, I, I think Phoenix can just beat the Mavericks with that same shot distribution just by hitting more in the mid-range. We've seen mm-hmm. them do it. Or even the paint, even. Or even the paint. a lot in the paint, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I don't know if it's a formula that will work. Um, I, look, it's not a formula that will work three of the next four games for the Mavericks. I do think possibly they can get another one. Um, and I also think that Phoenix is just a team that we know uh, it, it would be unlike them not to adjust and adapt. Uh, but But I do think they found something that works, some sort of formula that works. It just takes a good bit of help uh, from from Phoenix as well. Um, but, you know, kudos to them for being able to do that, uh, especially after how those first two games looked. PLR, what's your take on this? You know, it, it, I, I really just have a, have a question more than anything because, to them, obviously, you watch Dallas all the time. How does Dallas mask um, the slow-footedness of Luka throughout the series on defense when – and a couple of games, the Suns are actively hunting him down um, to get him on in switches. Yeah, he was so limited um, with the foul trouble. And then when you would normally see that mid-range hunting in the fourth quarter, um, you know, it was it was a big enough lead where it, it, it could be methodical mid-rangers. It, it did seem like the Suns were going for, for threes. So we, we really didn't see it. I, I'm going to have to go back and watch and see how much you know, I, I believe that they were planning to uh, kind of pre-switch uh, certain actions, which is basically, you know, when you've got Luca on the side and another, another player, just make that switch with his teammate who's coming up to help the ball. You know, so I, I think they had some plans to, to get away with, uh, you know, to get around or, or get away from Luca being mismatched on the perimeter every time. I'm going to be honest, though, like, I don't I don't think he's as slow footed as he looked in the second half of game two. Mm. I, I think that this season I've seen him turn into a pretty capable defender. Again, he's not an elite guy. You know, he's not a shutdown defender. Uh, and, and look, he's never going to be. But, you know, what I saw from the second half of game two was someone who was completely exhausted, someone who wasn't trying. If you really go back and look, mm-hmm. he was not providing effort. And Jay Crowder was taking him off the dribble. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like it wasn't, it wasn't a Luca physical athleticism issue. It was a Luca didn't have energy to expend. And that's both the most generous explanation I can give to him, but he's also a winner, you know, like he's won going back to Europe when he was 17. I can't imagine there's any scenario where Luca who was part of, you know, the defense that was fourth in the NBA since January 1st, uh, and, and Luca, who cares deeply, is highly competitive. Just decided, you know, in game two of of the of the semifinals. Oh, I'm not going to try on defense anymore. He's tried all season. He's hold, held up okay. 
he's still this team's weakest link on the court most times. But I, I think the key is is spacing out uh, just the effort that he provides throughout 48 minutes so that he can hold up, you know, late into games. And sure, he's definitely still going to get hunted. Uh, and there's some things the Mavericks can do, you know, to avoid him constantly having to deal with that just because of the workload he has on the other end. Um, but 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 I think that, you know, we're not going to see a half like game two, I would imagine, the rest of the series. Well, Suns fans hope we see a lot more halves like game two. I think we're, we're looking forward to the whole formula of wear down Luca, embarrass Luca, embarrass one of the best players in the league. Um, that would be great for two more games. I think that would be so. So you don't think that's you don't think Luca's going to let that happen is what you're saying. I, I don't think so. I mean, the, the tricky thing is, is, is if the Suns just co- come out to a blistering start, you know, what are you going to do except let him, you know, dominate the ball, you know, run, run possession every, you know, every, every single time down, you know, I, I think the Mavericks also had the advantage of, of having a lead and holding a lead throughout this game mm-hmm. um, that even if Luca hadn't been in foul trouble, even if he had played 40 minutes, I suspect he would have held up pretty well laid into that game um if they're down by 20 you know things things are different uh i, I think he's he's going to be trying a little bit more regardless i think you know he he understands that was an embarrassment um like on his part he felt embarrassed i'm sure mm-hmm. uh by that second half um so i, I don't think we're going to see anything that bad um but but again you know he's he's not the team's best defender he's still going to yeah. get beat by devin booker and chris paul and so that's still definitely a viable strategy. I just don't think it's going to look quite like it did or, or quite as, you know, be quite as successful, um, you know, with, with just no resistance from Luca as it was in game two. So what did you think? Um, before, we obviously saw how the team responded in game three, but what did you think about Jason Kidd's quotes between games about not only needing other guys to step up, but also, Luca had to step up and not let uh, him, you know, not let that happen again, like it did in game two. I think I can't remember exact words, but he did call him out more so than you would expect a coach to call out their, their, uh, their star. So is, has kid done that kind of thing before? And, and what did you think when you heard it? Yeah, I thought it was right in the Jason kid universe of the way he's talked about this team all season. Um, you know, once I kind of took a step back, I understood why it was perceived as a call out. Um, and, and I think fairly so by, by people who weren't, you know, you know, haven't had not watched. You know, it, it's almost it's weird when you cover a team. It's almost wa- like watching every single movie in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe or something mm-hmm. like that. All at once. You, yeah, exactly. And you're just so deeply versed in every aspect of it. Yeah. And obviously, no one else is, you know, right. you guys are jumping in and just watching the Avengers. Um mm-hmm. And so, you know, as someone who has, has, you know, been around Jason Kidd for, you know, since the start of the year, I, I think that was pretty like him. He came into the season preaching belief and trust in his players. And by preaching that belief and trust and earning it back, you know, there is a real culture around this team. You know, the bench just got fined for because they keep running on the court to celebrate. Um, you know, by building that culture, He's also earned some ability to, to speak honest truths. I didn't view it as much as a call out, just like an acknowledgement. Oh, yeah, you know, Luca has to be better. He has to participate more. 
you know, he, just an aside on that Avengers comment, Jesus, I feel like I'm an Avengers guy. Like my friends got me into it. I wasn't really into it. I got into it. I've watched most all the movies. And then I watched like a prep or, or I read a prep article on what all you need to make sure you've watched recently before going to Dr. Strange multiverse of madness. And it's like 15 things you need to have watched and all these references. I didn't even notice in those other. So I hear what you're saying. If you're not totally embedded in the team, you don't know what they're getting at when they, when they make their comments and, and how common they are. Uh, but I'll tell you, I was, I was, we've been around Jason Kidd here in Phoenix. We've had him as a player and I've watched him, you know, in other, in other situations. And I feel like, uh, that was a little, that was bold to put Luca on the spot like that. And, but it did work out for him. Uh, obviously, Luca was really motivated uh, in the game, although he did get those five fouls. I think it was as much that the, uh, that the rest of the guys stepped up and made Luca not feel so alone out there. Now, let me ask you a question. And Zona, I, I'm not, I haven't given you a chance to speak, but I, let me ask him one more question and then you'll jump in. Um, is it. Is it really a problem that Luca dominates the ball so much when he feels like his team needs it that his other uh, that his teammates check out, or is it really that the ch- teammates had plenty of chances and they just didn't check in those first two games? Hey, let's just take a minute to talk about our friends at DraftKings. Man, this NBA playoff action is awesome, and it's nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if you do. And one of the most fun things that people do game by game is doing their own parlay. You can combine multiple bets into one, like which team will win, how many total threes will be made, who hits the first three, who scores the first bucket, etc., etc. And boom, the more you parlay, the, more pay, the bigger the payout you get. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if you do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. A little of both, you know? Like, we've had this conversation with James Harden you know, before Luca, we, we've had this conversation with Trey Young, uh, you know, heliocentric is, is the term we're all using. Um, I guess you guys are cover the sun. So, you know, heliocentrism well uh, by nature of. Uh, uh, Chris it, Paul. Yeah. Well, in your a son. So. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah of course. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, I, we are I, the center of the universe. Exactly. There we go. Um, I, I think it's a little of both. And I, I think it's, you know, Luca does amazing things with the ball in his hands. You should want the ball to be in his hands. Like there has to be some balance. Uh, I think it skews too far sometimes. Uh, but, but I think Jalen Brunson uh, had chances in the first couple games. And, you know, he got shots that were his shots and he just missed them. Um, you know, he was definitely bothered by the Suns defense as well. Uh, but, but, you know, I thought he, he got some shots that, that, that he could have made. Now, would he have made them if he had the ball, uh, you know, an average of one more second per touch or one more dribble, an average of one more dribble per touch? Like those two numbers, uh, you know, just kind of rough metrics to see how much 
Luca was dominating the ball versus versus uh, versus the other ball handlers. Uh, those were down from the regular seasons. Those are obviously down from the Utah series. Um, but I, I don't know. I have a hard time saying definitively, you know, what the right balance is. I, I can look at it and say, okay, Luca has it a little too much, and and I think that was the case in games one and two. Uh, but I'm not going to say a lot, uh, you know, way too much, and. You know, ultimately, the, the Mavericks have a really tough decision to make. And any team with a Luka-like player, because there's a few of them, uh, have a have a tough decision to make in the coming years. Like, do you bring in a second ball handler and take the ball out of a top five offensive player in the league? Uh, you know, more often, Luka will still have it, but but more mm. often. Or, or do you trust that, you know, you want to maximize how good this player can be when he you know, when he's the guy running the show. And I, I don't quite know where that where that mix is. And, you know, I, I think in some ways we're still waiting for like a, a title contending team to show us a, a perfect balance that works, uh, you know, beautifully without without any, you know, qualms or, or complications. Um, so so I, I think it's a it's both a league wide issue. It's, it's a Mavericks issue that they're going to have to consider. Um, but but I do think it's clear in Game Three that they they made a few more points and, and they made a little bit more effort to get Jalen Brunson initiating sets. Um, and whether that helped him or not, you know, or whether he just made shots, uh, you know, I, I don't even know if Jalen Brunson could tell you that for sure. Uh, but but it certainly worked, uh, and that was definitely a, a crucial aspect of the Game Three win. Zona. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, Brunson is probably the, the major difference in that game three. 28 points. Uh, really just gave Luca, you know, a Robin to his Batman. Just something I think that they lacked those first two games. So, um, the Sun's key, I think, to, to taking game four is making sure you cut off Brunson and Dinwiddie because um, if those two guys aren't going and it's just you're forcing Luca to get everyone involved, then I think that's kind of their their strategy at this point, just trying to tire him out, wear him down. So, um, yeah, I thought Brunson's play was more of what I expected, honestly, um, in Game Three than than what we saw in Games One and Two. But I think that's also mm-hmm. credit to to how the Suns defended him those first two games as well. So, um, but yeah, overall, I think the the turnovers, Jay Crowder being your leading scorer, not ideal. Um, you know, there's just a, a lot of bunnies they missed too. Like campaign's been pretty rough this series. So I think there's a lot of ways the Suns can kind of I'd like to see more Aaron Holiday for sure. Yeah. And we'll get into that later in the, the true or false. But uh yeah, campaign and even Shaman, it's been a little rough. So um you know I think th- they need some help off the bench and Cam Johnson hasn't been as aggressive either. So there's there's just a lot of things that are kind of um they, they got away with in the first two games that I think if it continues they could be in some trouble. For sure. Um, okay, so that is your your so your obviously adjustments for game four from the Sun side is obviously maybe Chris Paul shouldn't have six turnovers by the eight minute mark of the second quarter. Um, probably they should make more shots in the paint and at the at the rim, and if those things happen, then uh, as as Devin Booker was saying after the game then there's less of the Mavs getting out in transition and getting, um, you know, the Suns not being able to set up on defense. So the more you, more shots you make, 
the easier it is to play defense. So that kind of stuff will shift. But what we saw from the Mavericks was a little bit more balance on their side as well uh, that, that tipped the scales in their favor. PLR, what other adjustments do you see that the Suns will need to make in the, in the game four? Honestly, the biggest, this is crazy. When I was, when the game was on, I'm, I see the three turnovers and instantly I thought, I don't think this is our night. If CP3 has three turnovers that fast, I'm not mm-hmm. sure this is our night. Open shots weren't made and the bugaboo crept back in from the Pelican series, the offensive rebounds. I think on the first three possessions or four possessions, Dallas had like two or three offensive rebounds right away. Those are cleanup things. Um, mm. and, and I guess that's why I didn't panic. Like, you know, like I said, all, so a lot of fans are jumping off out of first story windows right now, but <laughs> you, you, th- those are cleanup. Iverson blogs is on the 10th floor. Yeah. Well, you know, lead. I know I'm jumping down to the ninth, but you got, you have to, <laughs> I, I honestly believe, um, on a sun side, keep the boards clean, um, Easy shots have to be made and limit the turnovers. I don't think we will ever see Chris Paul commit, you know, seven turnovers in a game, let alone. Yeah, I almost feel like that was more turnovers in the one game than he had had in the playoffs to that point. But I didn't look it up yet. I agree, but I will say this too. Defensively, I agree with with what you said. You cannot let Dinwiddie and Brunson get off. You just can't. Because then – Luca, the pressure to score now leaves because he has he has help, and when you have help, that pressure that bucket gets a little bit bigger, passes get easier, and he can be himself. I mean, he's not one of the top players in the NBA by accident. So when you give him help, he can, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, he can be Luca. Can I ask y'all a question, kind of on that topic? Mm-hmm. Yep. One one uh kind of counter narrative contrarian thought that uh, several Mavericks analysts had, you know, me and, and a few other people who write about the team, was that Mikel Bridges might actually start this series on Jalen Brunson. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but but I thought the thinking, you know, the thinking was that Luca is going to get his points. He's going to get his switches uh, pretty much no matter what. If you can put Bridges onto Jalen, and really, you know, reduce the, the you know, dynamism of, of the Mavericks offense, uh, you know, maybe that's the way to go. And I thought game three w- would have been another chance to do that because after all the talking points in game two, um, you know, it was so obvious that the Mavericks were definitely going to try to highlight Brunson a little bit more in game three. Um, so now I'm wondering, you know, maybe is that something that we could see, you know, that the Suns would try going into game four? You know, that's a big, that's a really good question because uh, one of the things now let's just talk about Bridges overall. Bridges um, is clearly one of the better defenders, one of the best defenders in the NBA. You guys have a really good one in Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, the the Suns obviously are very happy with Mikel Bridges, but where Mikel Bridges can struggle is against guys who will body him. And Luca, when Luca's truly focused on using his shoulder drop and that shoulder and driving in, he can back down bridges. So um, I, and then on the other hand, yes, you can't afford to let Jalen Brunson go off. And one of the things while Jalen Brunson also uses his body to create space, um, he, bridges could use his length to just deter Brunson from taking the shot after he's created the space that somehow doesn't get the foul call. Um, so you've got that, so we might see that kind of adjustment. I'm kind of thinking 
we'll see something like that. The Suns, but I, I don't know that the Monty Williams is very consistent in the way he wants to play, and he generally doesn't dramatically sh- um, shift, especially when they got the lead in the series. He just wants the guys to play harder and play their game better. Um, so I'm not quite sure, but I did. I also expected to see a little bit more bridges on Brunson, but Brunson was so quiet in those first two games, it didn't really matter as much. Um, what do you think, PLR? Do you think that kind of thing will happen? I'm going to stick with what you said, to be honest with you. I know Monty doesn't always just – it almost – the house has to almost be on fire for him to do that, and I don't think the house is on fire. I think, honestly, he's saying right now, to everyone, rebound, cut down turnovers. Rebound, cut down turnovers. And I think that'll be his, con- his consistent message because if it worked game one and two, and what you saw didn't work because it was, a like I said, the, the Pelicans game seeping into those bad traits in the game three, I think he'd be more apt to say, let's fix this. Then if this doesn't work, if we don't commit turnovers and we don't, you know, and we do get rebounds and – Brunson is still getting off. Now let's let's make a switch. But I think he would do house cleaning first before he hires a new maid. Zona? I think it's smart to kind of mix things up, give him a different look just in terms of you know, Luke is going to get the switches. He's going to get Mikel off him um, if he wants him off of him. So um, in, in a sense, you're kind of wasting Mikel whenever they're, they're just going to hunt for that, the matchup that they want. So um, – to me, I, I'd put him on Brunson. Just like I said earlier, just you know, just cut off the the any outlets that Luca has. Just force him to just be that heliocentric force where he's you know trying to make plays every single possession down the court, and just you know cut off Brunson and uh, just really try to wear him down. That that's the strategy I'd go for. I think uh, you know similar how the Suns hunt for Luca def- uh, on the defensive end, um, the, the Mavs do the same thing, trying to get Mikel off of Luca. So. Uh, to me, yes, it, it helps to bother Luca with picking him up full court, you know, giving him different looks, throwing as many bodies as you can at him. Um, but I, I think using bridges on Brunson a little bit more would be uh, a smart adjustment that the Suns could make. I don't know about having him on him 24-7, but, uh, you know, just throwing it on him a little more frequently would be a good look, in my opinion. You know, I've got my own theory on what happened in game three. I'm going to hold that for a few minutes. I, um, I'm going to drop it on you guys a little bit later. Uh, but it's it's going to, obviously, the Suns just have to play better, uh, play their own game a little bit better. And I have a theory of why they didn't play very well on on Friday night. Um, but I, I do want to ask before, because Tim and PLR both have to go in about a minute. So I'm going to ask you guys some parting thought, one parting thought. And then your prediction for the rest of the series. We'll start with PLR. Parting thought is, I think, game four, the Suns revert back to what we saw in games one and two. Um, I've been consistent with this, and you guys both know this all all year. I I think they can adjust to any style of play you want to play. If you want to get – if you want to go WWE – like the Pelicans, the Suns can adjust to that. If you want to get up and down the court, the Suns can do that. If you want to slow down possessions and make Chris Paul play half-court basketball, they can do that. I just don't think Dallas have, I don't know if this is politically correct these days, enough bullets in the chamber to beat this team um, enough to to win this series. I just I just don't. So what's your um, prediction? I think 
I, I picked five, and I'm sticking with five. Um, I, I, I didn't waver, and I'm not wavering. Um, just like I didn't waver in the Pelican six, I got five. I just, I just think they just have too much. All right, Tim, what do you think? I've I've watched this Dallas team be just incredibly resilient all season, but you know they're less talented, and this isn't a series they're going to win. I, I think they pick up another game. Um, you know, I, I think I think they have a chance they could even win Game Four, but. You know, they're, they're also – I've seen this team enough that they're the type of team that would go to Phoenix and win game five and then, uh, you know, see the series close out in, in six. So I'll say, uh, I'll, I'll say Suns in six, you know, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a testament to how good and resilient these Mavericks have been, but also just how great and dominant and very possibly the title contender that uh, Phoenix is. So, Well, it's, we're it's all hoping here in Phoenix that – this is a title contender and well, we know it's a title contender in Phoenix. We're hoping it's a title winner in Phoenix. Um, and you gotta get, you gotta get through every, every team to get there. And the Mavs are the next up. So the Suns are up two to one. Okay. We got the second half of our show coming. I want to thank you so much, Tim and PLR for joining us. PLR, tell us where we can find you around the web. You can every day, one o'clock uh, at this, excuse me, the cave show um, live, live sports radio talk. And then you get me at uh, PLR on sports on the Twitter. On the Twitter. Okay, Tim. I'm uh, at the athletic and uh, on Twitter, uh, Tim underscore Cato. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's, that's where I live. All right, man. Thank you so much. Both of you for joining us. We appreciate Thanks, guys. you. Thanks. We appreciate it. All right. We got the two of us. Just the two of us. All right. I'm not going to croon any more than that. Thank you all. Don't go anywhere. Zona and I are going to be here for another half hour or so. We got to go through our true false section. Um, We're going to go through our predictions, our own predictions for the rest of the series. Uh, So Zona, I'm going to let you run this section and let's get moving. You guys, you guys got to vote, put your own votes in the chat. All right. We'll start with the, the panic meter here. Um, True or false, Suns fans should feel scared after the Game 3 loss. Well, I, I want to hear what Iverson Vlogs has to say because I have no clue. How are you feeling today, Iverson Vlogs? I, have, I can't tell if you're worried about this series or if you're totally sure the Suns are going to blow them out the rest of the game. You're not giving any indication. You need to be more forthright. Um. Folks, yeah, so should should the Suns fans feel scared, true or false? You got to put in your, uh, yeah, Iverson blocks horrendous. <laughs> nothing like, man, nothing like falling off a cliff every time. Oh, man. Um, okay, I'm going to answer, and I'm going to say false. Uh, the Suns should not feel scared after the Game 3 loss. And I'm going to give you my, um, I, I just wanted to check the true falses real quick, make sure you weren't coming uh, out with it yourself. Yesterday, game three of the Suns-Mavs series was Chris Paul's 37th birthday. So my theory is that Chris Paul was thinking about other things than the game three when you're up 2-0 in a series. He was obviously, they were hoping the Mavericks would just lay down. There's kind of a mental letdown that happens. The rest of the team was probably focused on, they always, these guys always throw parties either before or after or both. I'm sure there was a cake at shoot around. I'm sure there was distractions all the way. 
through this, uh, through the day on Friday. And while that's not supposed to affect you, they were not in a do or die situation in that game. And so I feel like the Suns let that affect them in the game. And especially, I mean, come on, CB3, six turnovers, six turnovers in a quarter and a quarter. Yeah, he was distracted. And when Chris Paul is distracted and he's the guy setting up all of your, you're, you're good because of Chris Paul. Yes. They were 11 and four without Chris Paul. They can win without Chris Paul, but when Chris Paul is on the court running the show and he's playing bad, that's bad. That's bad news. Same thing happens to any team when their best players play bad. It just happens. That's going to be a problem. If Chris Paul keeps doing that, I just don't think he's going to keep doing that. I think they're going to be totally fine and I'm not scared at all. Zona, what do you think? Yeah, I'm. I'm not too worried. Um, if Scott Foster's, wrestling wait, I'm sorry, Sunders dunks. They're professionals, yes, but they're also human beings, man. Why do we think this is 2K? Why do we think real people are 2K avatars? They're real people. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. happens. You know, uh, Jay Crowder is the leading scorer. That that tells you everything you need to know about that game. That's the only uh, answer you have to. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not worried. I think they'll they'll bounce back. You know, these games happen. This pretty much was an elimination game for Dallas because everyone knows you can't go down 3-0. You're at home just, you know, fighting for your life. So I think game four, we're going to see a more focused team locked in, um, and they're going to win because they're the better team. And I think uh, I've said Suns in five from the start. I think in order to to win in five, you're going to lose one. That's what last night was, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm not not too worried about it at this point, but obviously – uh, a series can change in, in a heartbeat, as we've we've learned in the past. So um, can't get too comfortable if you're the Suns, but still feeling pretty good about the series. Yeah, I think you should feel pretty good. The Suns did just about everything wrong that they could do wrong, and it was still a game. Uh, so I'm not I'm not really too worried. In fact, the Mavericks should have really blown them out a lot more than they did because of all the things going right for the Mavs, all the things going wrong for the Suns. Yeah, that felt like the a Mavericks should actually loss. be worried. Yeah. It, it, well, it felt like it could it have like been 30. even worse than yeah. it. Yeah, right. Worse than that. Um, okay, what's our next question? All right. Number two, true or false, one of CP3 or book should be on the court at all times. Yeah, it's funny. I, was, I, I can't remember who it was. I was listening to some national podcast. Darn it. And they said, in the second half of game two, the Suns stopped playing around and actually had Booker or Chris Paul out there the entire time. Um, the Suns have been doing a little playing around. I don't know what Monty's love for the full five-man, second-man unit is. Um, he's got way too many of those. Um, I, I think he's got way too many minutes where he trusts campaign to be the primary guy. And then he puts guys out there that can't shoot around campaign except for Cam Johnson. And for some reason, Cam Johnson is more interested in creating mid mid range and, and put paint shots than he is just hoisting threes. It seems like. So I really do think that I think it's true that one of CP three or book should be on the court at all times. What you think? Yeah, definitely true. Um, I just don't – I mean, if it was last season, we're getting like the, the campaign that we've seen in the past, I would I would probably say false. But at this point, with how campaign's playing, I just you just need one of those two on the court. Uh, there's there's The stagger needs to come back, plain and simple. You know, it's, it, it is interesting. I do feel like um, 
Monty Williams is not openly admitting it, but he's halfway admitting it that he's trying to control um, the the team's minutes, uh, the the be- their best players' minutes in this series. But it's really weird because on Friday night, Chris Paul played 37 minutes and Booker played 40 in that loss. And so it's like he was trying to get those guys to play through it, and and eventually they would find their groove and they just wouldn't do it. So it's weird that they played less minutes in their wins than they did in their losses. So I really do think one of them should be on the court at all times. There should be a good stagger going on, taking turns. They should be sharing the court, obviously, at the start of the game, end of the half, beginning of the third quarter, and the end of the fourth. And in the middle, they should be staggering for sure. Uh, In the chat, we've got a lot of trues. We have one or two falses, uh, but I don't, uh, yeah, I, I think there should definitely be staggers. What's your next one? All right, number three, true or false, Aaron Holiday should get minutes over campaign. Man, I tell you what, I, I, I really do wish they would give Aaron Holiday some more run. I was surprised that Aaron Holiday didn't get more run against the Pelicans because the Pelicans have small guards. C.J. McCollum is not that tall. Listed at 6'4", I think he's more like 6'3". Um, you've got, obviously, Jose Alvarado was small. Um Devontae Graham was small, 5'9-ish. So those, those, he should have played more in the first round. And then in this round, he's going against Jalen Brunson. Now, the problem, though, of putting Aaron Holiday out there is all the hunting that the Mavs do. So we talked last few days about how the Suns were hunting out getting Luka and bad matchups on defense. The Mavs do just as much hunting They every time and all year. They've been hunting and they're putting, they're trying to get Chris Paul in the post and Devin Booker and Mikel Bridges in the post against Luca because those guys don't have the strength to hold their ground. Although Devin Booker is of the three is most likely to be able to hold his ground in the post. Um, if you put Aaron Holiday out there, he's going to get posted up every single time. So that's probably Monty's reason for not playing Aaron Holiday. That's probably his reason. But and Aaron and, and campaigns a little bigger and he's feistier, although he's, commits fouls like crazy um that you can't you can't isolate campaign as much as you can in Aaron Holiday. that's why I think money's not playing Aaron holidays because of the hunting that Luca does at, with the ball and with all the ball screens they 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 throw um but I do wish they would play him more because Cam has been playing so bad so I don't know but I can see why Monty does that Zona yeah I agree with your take um saying you're surprised he didn't play more against the Pelicans I, I thought they could have really used uh, his energy and just kind mm-hmm. of mixing things up just because the Pelicans, uh, you know, wanted to play that game. And I think using more higher energy guys would have, would have been nice. Um, they could have, I think they could have used him last night too, just to try to get a spark. I'm not sure if he should be a consistent member in their playoff rotation, but anytime this team looks dead and just kind of needs a pick me up, I think uh, just throwing him in there for, you know, three or four minutes to see what you get. Um, what I, play him straight like outright over campaign at this point no but i do think giving him a look uh couldn't hurt at this point he's the the bench guard play has been pretty awful um pretty disappointing um i was gonna say langston galloway but um jesus landry shannon yeah has been has been tough to watch too now defensively he puts a lot of effort out there and he's good on those switches like you see you can't hunt landry because he he'll put a lot of effort out there defensively and that's good because he is a not the biggest guy in the world so i think that's one of the reasons monty likes him but 
man, he is the best looking bad shooter I've seen since um, Wesley Johnson donned a son's uniform uh, about 10 years ago. And, and uh, fans have been around a while know what I'm talking about with Wesley. Sweet, sweet Wes, uh, smiling Wes out, out there. He, he had a great looking shot, never went down. Same thing with Landry. Yeah, Landry and, and Jay, just the level of confidence in their shot is, I mean, defenses treat them like they're, you know, the best shooters in the world. So um, they, they must believe it too. But, but yeah, it's, it's kind of weird how Landry's turned into like a great baseline driver randomly. And like he's throwing down some dunks. You're just like, what? And he's throwing down he some dunks. He like telegraphs exactly where the ball is going to be the whole time. So if you've got a good shot blocker out there, he does get blocked often. Um, but he, he, at least he's aggressive. And, and I think the, the sons, all the sons like that about him, Michael Lockhart in the chat, hunting players is gimmicky. Just like that guy said on that network. Now we don't usually, um, call out that kind of thing, but I don't even want to say his name, but yeah, there's a dude out there who was saying that it's gimmicky that I, an unfair that Chris Paul was hunting out Luka Doncic in that game on, on, on Wednesday, uh, game two, and yet the Mavs do just as much hunting and always have. It's just that it wasn't as as uh, it wasn't the headline as much, and obviously nobody was as bad as Luca in that second half, and so it made it look even worse. But yeah, no, it's not gimmicky. It's the entire league does that. All, All right, right, what else you got? Number four. We kind of talked about this earlier with uh, with Tim, but. True or false, the Suns should put Mikel on Brunson more often than Luka. Yeah, man, that's tough because Mikel is great if you can distract Luka into doing his pirouettes and, and turning around and then doing fallaway shots. Uh, but if he's just trying to bulldoze you, Mikel can get bulldozed. So, um, And Brunson can bulldoze too, though. Like somebody tweeted uh, last night during the game, that Brunson looks absolutely looks like he played a ton of one-on-one against bigger guys in his whole life because he knows how to create space with his body, with his chest, or not his chest, but his shoulders, and then that fallback shot. And he's really, really good at it, man. Brunson is a good good player. Um, I don't know if Mikel would hold up a ton better against him, but he does have the length to deter Brunson from even taking the shot in the first place or attempting it. What about What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, Brunson's kind of like a, a bowling ball of destruction. Just kind of lowers his shoulder. He's built like a tank. Um, mm-hmm. Good at stopping on the spot and just getting up these quick little shots that I think Mikel does struggle with, like, you know, getting bumped off his spot, but he can recover against smaller players like that and just, you know, send their shot back or deflect it or make it tough. So um, I think they should put him on Brunson more than he has been. Uh, but I think just switching off you know, five or six guys on Luca throughout the game, just getting fresh legs, even throw some Ish Wainwright in there on him. Just like, just try to wear him down, um, pick him up, you know, 90 feet, just, you know, have, like I said, five or six different guys just kind of rotating throughout the night. That's something I would do just to, to keep Mikel fresh too on, on offense. Um, yeah. I think shutting down Brunson's the key um, and, and just making it a game where Luca has to do everything, which I've said like probably three times now already on this podcast, but um, I think that's the key, just getting back to those games one and two. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever telegraphed my feelings about uh, Luka Doncic on this show, but um, Traveling Hardages puts in the chat here, 
You don't ever want to go against Luca in a game seven. Yeah, Luca's never won a game seven. So why do you think Luca is unbeatable in a game seven? Chill. Okay, next up. All right, this one pretty straightforward. Um, true or false? Cam Johnson needs to be more aggressive, and that could be. I could rephrase that and say more involved on offense as well. Yeah, Cam is going through it. I think right now a little bit. Um, I think it's true. I think he's trying to be, actually. What I kind of get the feeling is that Cam Johnson is trying too hard and. He's not timing his aggression in the right ways. And what I mean by that is he's running himself off a three-point line when he's got an easy three to throw up because a guy is closing out on him, so he tries to drive past him. But then he gets himself in a little bit of trouble or he finishes the layup, which is great, but he doesn't, like, you could have made a three. And I think Cam is, like, trying too hard is my, my worry in this playoffs. And sometimes that works out really well, and sometimes it doesn't work out as well. Where you're like, why'd you try that? Um, he'll be better in subsequent years. But, man, I am going to um, I'm going to be watching Cam, and I hope he puts it together for a full game, and we see full, you know, the full Cam. Well, I want to see the full Cam, like 38 points against the Knicks. That's the Cam I want to see. What do you think, Zona? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think uh, Cam – not only with him not playing to his standard, but just the the bench in general just hasn't really given them that consistent punch that we've seen throughout the year. Because usually at least one guy is kind of carrying the load offensively um, whenever Book and Paul aren't. And we just haven't really seen that a lot in this this series. So um, I think Cam Johnson needs to – he needs more minutes too to find that rhythm, get that confidence back because he hasn't really been playing a ton. So, um, yeah, I think – get Cam more involved, more aggressive, get his confidence up. And uh, not just for this series, but, you know, if you advance heading into the next one, you're going to need Cam. So um, I think just got to get his confidence back. Yep, he's got to get that confidence back. Okay, what else you got for us? All right, uh, another one on a, one of these fringe rotation guys. Um, true or false-ish Wainwright should be in the playoff rotation or at least getting a look at minutes. Man, I'm going to be the ish killer, and I'm just going to say, and I probably should have the same feeling about Aaron Holiday too, but I don't. Um, you don't win playoff games by giving third stringers minutes. You just don't. You need your first and second stringers to play better. That's all there is. I mean, if you're trying to, that's like it's like uh, throwing darts at a at darts at a wall, you know, and trying to see if they'll stick. Um, darts at a dartboard, whatever the term is, throwing pasta at the wall, whatever it is. You should not need a third stringer who's literally your 15th, 17th guy to help you win a playoff game. Now, can he be helpful in the, the, the idea of ish is helpful. The idea of ish is a great defender who uses his body and can control. Well, the reality is that he's not a great defender. The reality is he gets himself lost on defense a lot. He definitely gets lost on the weak side a lot. He doesn't rebound for his size um very well he doesn't rebound hardly at all so while ish is a great story and i love him as a person as a great guy great cheerleader on the board he's not really a great nba player and so turning to him in a pivotal playoff game is probably not the right thing to do you're 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 just you're you're an immediate satisfaction person if you're wanting ish out there what you really want is the guys ahead of him to play better like they should be playing better because that's why they're ahead of him 
That's what the Suns really need. So my answer on that one is false. If he gets minutes, he gets minutes, but he should not be in a playoff rotation. False. Yeah, I I don't think he should be in the rotation either. I kind of feel the same way about him and Holiday. I think if you're starting a game slow and you need that energy and you're kind of desperate to find something, I think throwing Holiday and Ish in there for energy is fine. But um, in general, playoff rotations are cut down to to now seven, eight guys, um, nine at the most usually. Um, So to me, I think the more random you get, um, this deep in a series with your consistent rotation, um, it's, it's not really going to benefit you, but like I said, just getting an energy spark, I wouldn't mind it if the Suns are struggling again in game four. Um, yeah, that's kind of, that's a tough Yeah, one. I'd rather play Tory Craig ahead of, um, Fabio says in the chat, let me just show that one real quick to the, to the folks, uh, Fabio, if Craig is injured, maybe you put him in. That's true. I'd rather see Craig ahead of Ish Wainwright as bad as Craig has played. At least he rotates well on defense. My biggest worry, one of my bigger worries coming into this series, not Suns are going to lose worry, but just game execution worry, is JaVale cannot defend Kleba on the outside. And that's how the that's how the Mavs beat the Jazz so handily was because Rudy Gobert cannot defend an outside just like JaVale can't. So, uh, yes, JaVale's leaving Kleba open. Is the answer to play Ish Wainwright more? Probably not. The answer is actually get Torrey Craig to play well. He's not on the injury report, so he's not actually injured. We don't know why he's playing so bad, but he was helpful last year in the playoffs because he played pretty well, and uh, he's the guy who needs to be out there in a rotation if you're going to go small. I am surprised at how much Monty Williams is going, always having a center out there and not going small when the Mavs um, are are going five out. So, Zona, what's your take on that? On the, When the Mavs go five out and they have Kleba, who's just standing behind the three-point line, um, should the Suns be be uh, so diligent in staying with a center? I think you could play eight and, and be fine, but yeah, once you get to those reserve minutes and you're relying on and that's McGee what I'm talking about that, the reserve minutes. I'm okay yeah. with Aiden. Yeah, yeah. Once you're counting on McGee to defend the three, it's just not going to go well. We, we've seen in the past. There's a reason he was benched, um, you know, in multiple series and by you know, um, not only Golden State and the Lakers, but uh, Denver last year. Just there's certain matchups that he just doesn't do well in. Um, so I think that's that's something that they could make an adjustment to and have even Jay Crowder at the five, honestly, and probably get away with it uh, just because Dallas doesn't really have a ton of guys in the, that are going to kill you in the paint. Uh, but then the rebounding issue becomes a thing because you don't want to go too small. So it's kind of a, a double-edged sword. Um, I wouldn't mind experimenting with Ish at the five just because it's, it's kind of weirdly mm-hmm. worked in the past, um, but it's also something that I don't know if you want to test that during, you know, the Western Conference semifinals game four. So it's there's definitely risk involved, but um, I think Bismack honestly should get a, a, another look too, just with how impressive he was in game two. Yeah, absolutely. Biz actually, yeah, Biz was was fun to watch in game two, and he actually put the effort out there. And though Luca made a few threes over him, and he made one over Ish as well, they at least tried and got their hand up there, and Luca had to do the step back and make the shot. Um, yeah, Iverson blogs. I, I, I'm not. I really. Can you be more clear on your opinions today? You really, really need to be more clear. I, I can't tell which way you're leaning. Um, okay. So, so says Jay. Thank you for coming back. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, coming back to the show later in, in the, 
um, after leaving for a little bit. Um, all you guys, I really appreciate you guys in the chat here all day. We're watching. You guys got to really, we got to get on the YouTube and, and and check out how these guys are going along with the show. It's real fun. Um, let's move on to our fourth quarter. And the fourth quarter is our predictions. Zona, what do you think? Um, is it Suns in five, Suns in six, Suns in seven? Or do you think the Mavs are going to take this series? Go. Uh, Suns in five. That, that's been my prediction from the start. I, I just think uh, they're going to be a little bit too much. They're 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 too good, and we've seen in the past how they responded to losses like that. Um, I, I think there's a lot of easy corrections they can make from Game Three heading into mm -hmm. Game Four. Um, you also got to give some credit to Dallas for you know making the Suns uncomfortable and I think playing a better, uh, more focused game than we saw in the first two games. So I think the Suns will take that and take this game more seriously um, because I don't know there's they're just a little bit too cool. For me last game just kind of there's not really that sense of urgency that that yeah. dallas played with so i think we're going to see that uh those hopefully the suns have that switch they can flip back on and and kind of uh remind us that you know they're the best team in basketball yeah so um we got some good comments in the chat some suns in five suns in six i think there's a really really high chance they win game four because of the way they react to losses I really think they're going to want to show. They love playing on the road. Most of those guys love playing on the road. Uh, this is going to be on ABC, primetime game, all that stuff. Um, for Sundays, that's uh, 1230 um, Arizona time, but that's that's the that's the best time slot for Sundays. Um, I think the Suns are going to show in game four. They did lose after taking a 3-1 lead last year in the conference finals. They lost game five at home. So I do worry a little bit that they'll have yet another letdown in game five as the Mavs backs are against the wall again. And then they'll just win in six. I don't think it goes beyond six. I say Suns in five or six. Um, I don't, in fact, I'm, I'm almost positive it's not going beyond six. Um, so the, we don't have to worry about a game seven in this. I, I do think the biggest chance, the best chance is that it's over in five. Uh, folks in the in the chat here. Um, it all depends on when Scott's foster gets assigned to a game. <laughs> Look, man, we've had some weird ref games so far already. So I don't know how much worse Scott foster can make it, but I am knocking on wood as I say that, because uh, there's always a possibility it could get worse. Game two um, is, can we talk about that? That, I mean, that was one of the worst for both sides too. That was just not for basketball. both sides. That was, that was like, what was it? 40 something there's more fouls than there were minutes played like it was it was just unwatchable like i yeah good job of ruining basketball nba refs that's all I was they saying. really so did it, it sucked the joy out of that game even though the suns won like that was just a miserable watching both experience. teams were so frustrated yeah that it was, finally it was just the suns had the all whole the touch fouls yeah made it all but it was it was the worst worst officiated game and then i thought friday's game was poorly officiated as well um, so much so that usually Devin Booker doesn't come right out with it, but he's like, yep, looks like they wanted more games in the series. And so here we are, we're getting more games. <laughs> um, all right. So then, uh, the next thing is who do you think the Suns are going to play in the conference finals? And we'll be able to talk about this next Saturday when we're back on the live show here on YouTube. But, um, what do you think? Is it going to be the Warriors or going to be the Grizzlies? They're currently tied one game apiece. I still think the Warriors pull it out. Just um, it, it's going to be close, though. I think I think it's going seven games. I'm just going to lean with the Warriors' experience. Just that, that's the the differentiating differentiator for me. Um, 
Memphis, when they're on, like we've seen how how tough they look. But I just think, you know, if I had a bet, I just gut says Golden State finds a way to, to pull it out. And, you know, not having Brooks next game too and, you know, Warriors next two games at home in that environment, they kind of feed off that. So um, I'm going to go Warriors in, in uh, Warriors in seven. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say Warriors, and I think it's going to be more like in six. Um, Warriors are the road team in this series, and so game six will be at home, and they play really, really good behind their fans. Um, Jay Jimenez, did you guys see Jalen Brunson saying Booker to out of space? Well, I think Booker was trying to draw the offensive foul because Jalen Brunson was using his shoulder in a way that should have drawn an offensive foul. Booker actually... um, by the way, inches doesn't have anything to do with ballast, but uh, Booker is not weak, and I think he'll show it in this next time, next next game. There's, he, there's he a thing shut called down uh, in game momentum that, that carries bodies forward whenever you're playing basketball. Um, so, yeah. that Yeah. Anytime a guy falls down, that person's weak, apparently. Okay, cool. Fine, fine, fine. So, the cool, Suns cool, need cool. to start falling down more. That's what I will say. They don't get calls for standing. Like, Aiton especially – Set, like side rant, he needs to flop more. I'm sorry. Like, look what Embiid and Jokic do to sell calls. Aiton just kind of stands his ground and gets punished mm-hmm. for it. So he does stand his ground, man. A guy, a guy who gets a lot of crap for for being soft by his own fans has has about the strongest um, uh, stance out there on defense. He just doesn't like to initiate contact on offense, and yeah. that's why he gets that stance. Yeah. Okay, uh, next question. Um, who is scarier to you? So now we, predi- we predicted between Warriors and Grizzlies. Who do you think has the most likely chance to beat the Suns in a conference finals? Um, out of those teams, I think Warriors, just for the reason I said earlier, because they've been there before and they've done it before. Um, and that they're an offensive team that, you know, when they're clicking, they're we've seen how dangerous they could be. So. I think uh, the reason I like the Suns against the Grizzlies slightly more is just because the closer thing. Like they, they have John Moran, that's that's pretty much it. Um, in late game situations, who's going to get you a bucket? The Suns have two of those guys, so that that's a difference to me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's really close. They're they're both tough teams. They're gonna, you know, it's gonna be a physical, chirpy series no matter uh, who comes out of it. But uh, I'm gonna lean Warriors for this one. Uh, yeah, you know, I actually think the Grizzlies are a scarier finals opponent and we'll talk about this. This should be a whole segment for us next, next weekend. Uh, when we preview, uh, that, that, uh, conference finals, I actually think the Grizzlies are scarier to me because they're basically a supersized Pelicans. They, they lead the league in rebounding. They, they kill on offensive rebounds. They do everything that the Pelicans did to beat you in those games. And they've got that closer, uh, in, in John Morant. So that's the one that worries me the most. I don't think these warriors are as strong as people are wanting them to be. And they're going to show it. I think they might, they're going to probably beat the Grizzlies though, because the Grizzlies don't have the, um, the experience in the playoffs. But if the Grizzlies can get through the warriors, that shows they don't need it to move on. And that's what would make me worry. So I actually, I actually think they'd be the, the scariest. Um, okay. So, What's our so we, we already said we think the Suns are going to be uh, winners in five or six. So next Saturday we'll be predict, predicting the conference finals. I want to thank you for joining me today, Brandon. Uh, Zona, thank you all in the chat. Zona, uh, tell us where we can find you around the web. 
at Zona Hoops underscore on Twitter, um, brightsidesun.com and zonahoops.com. All right. And I'm Dave King NBA. I'm probably going to put out um, Zona and hopefully if he's available, we're probably going to put out a midweeker to do a quick recap uh, once we get to five or six or how, whatever happens with the series uh, before we get to next Saturday's uh, YouTube. So watch the podcast feeds. That one would be audio only. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Dave King NBA on Twitter. You can find my writing on brightsideofthesun.com and obviously on this podcast uh, for, for the words. And if you love looking at my face, uh, join us on the YouTube side. Uh, so thank you so much, everybody. And you all have a great weekend and go Suns.